Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. It is five past six on your Tuesday morning, the day after Super Bowl 58. And I tell you what, he is the hero of people in Kansas City, Missouri. Is Patty Mahomes the biggest hero in Kansas City, Missouri history? I reckon he must be up there. He'll be certainly duking it out with Jesse James for that title. Uh, the Chiefs. Chiefs Nation. <laughs> Oh, Ricardo, great to be and, and just quickly, we, I don't know how you get sick of that song, uh, D, uh, DJ Tim. It's a great banger to start the show off. And just leads me, oh, mate, Rick Dog. I know everyone's saying, that was boring. It was a boring first half. Yeah, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Two teams playing in the biggest games of their lives and just trying to figure each other out. Trying to figure it all out. Mahomes looked average. The Chiefs looked very average with the ball in hand that first half. And looked rattled. Brock Purdy and the 49ers defensively were so good. Offensively, relatively sharp, but weren't able to execute. You know, 10-3 up. Had the Chiefs under so much pressure, but just couldn't keep adding to that scoreboard pressure. And the Chiefs hung in there. Dug deep, and while well, the champions seem to find a way to get the job done, mate, I was as lazy as anything yesterday. It was a great day just to sit on that. Camp. It is the longest game anyway, but when you go to overtime and the wife comes home from tennis practice, and I'm still on that couch, and I was having it just as soon as she walked in that door, I said, "It's overtime! It's overtime!" I promise you, I'm, I'm going to do something in a minute. It's overtime. Um, what a day, what a performance, and uh, I know we're going to be talking about it throughout the show. Just quickly though, Rick, mm. before we get off, mm. that overtime situation that took place, I was yeah. doing some reading online, yeah, and it was totally different comparisons from both teams. So this is from the 49ers. You know what? This is from Kyle um, Juskovic. I don't even know how to say his last name, but you know what? I didn't even realise the playoff rules were different in overtime. I assume you just want the ball to score a touchdown and win. I guess that's not the case. I don't totally know the strategy there. We hadn't even talked about it. No. I didn't even know the, um, about the new playoff overtime rules, so I was surprised to me. They put it on the scoreboard and everyone was like, oh, even if you score, they get a chance. And that's from Arik Armstead from the um, 49ers. In comparison to the Chiefs, mm. Justin Reid... When the, had a hell of a day out. We've talked about it all year. We've talked about it in training camp, about the rules. We're different in regular season versus the playoff. Every week of the playoffs, we talked about the overtime rule. So Kyle, Shannon, um, 
Shanahan with uh, the 49ers, been to a couple of Super Bowls, there was different rules come playoffs. If you got the ball and you scored a touchdown, the other side still had an opportunity to stay in the game. Well, they went down, kicked a field goal, Patty Mahomes dug deep and somehow found a way when he had one yard on the fourth down and he did a little quarterback's sneak little run and uh, got them back in the game. But there you go, two different teams. What if moments prepared differently? Well, you know what it does for me, Izzy? I immediately mm. go to that. I know it's a bit of a cheese, cheesy saying, but I go back to that saying, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Because yep. can you imagine what was going through the heads of the 49ers players in overtime after they had scored and they're looking around going, why, why are we still going? Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't know then what's going on, how are you supposed to think about the game and think how you're going to get yourself out of the game and over the finish line if you don't know? All of a sudden, it's like, where the hell is the finish line? Totally. Your your mind is elsewhere, not on the job at hand. Um, you know, you have to prepare for those so you don't have those situations arise in a game. What-if moments uh, are a part of preparation. When you are playing the biggest game, of the year, the biggest game in your career. You have to be prepared for every situation, a la when Dre Greenwall goes down, one of the, um, the best defensive players, mm. part of the 49ers, went to, goes to run on and does an Achilles freakish accident. But you have to be prepared for it. And you have to say Andy Reid and the Chiefs were well-equipped, well-prepared because they had been there. They had done it plenty. Whereas Kyle Shanahan, you have to feel for the coach. That oh, yeah. is, he was, he, well, he was a part of the team that went down against the Patriots when they were leading 28-3, the Atlanta Falcons, and then they went to overtime. That was the second time ever in a Super Bowl <laughs> they've been to overtime, and Tom Brady and the Patriots buried him again. He's done it a couple of times, and mm. so, ooh. Mate, yeah. What and a game. What a game. And that was the thing because, you know, my missus walked in. She kept wanting because she was working for fun today. <laughs> and she'd walk in and she'd go, what's the score? And I'd be like, nil all. And she's like, How long? it's been going for an hour. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And, you know, <laughs> and then as you get at half time, she goes, what's the score? You know, and I was just like, but, yeah, it was the defense. You know, the first half was mm. all about the defense. The defense just dominated from both sides in that first half. The other the other thing is um, that I, I thought – Izzy, and be keen to get your thoughts on this. Christian McCaffrey doesn't look that mm. big, right, mm. on the field, but they just, it, it felt like every time he ran the ball, he got yardage. They, like, he's just, man, that guy, he's like Ernie the Eel. He's slippery as anything. It's just, they just could not stop him. That's why he was voted the best offense player in the NFL. He is an absolute freak. Gone are the days when he was at Stanford and. This little skinny, um, you know, white fella that was doing okay. He has put on size, he has put on bulk, but he hasn't um, limited his speed and acceleration. He is an absolute freak. And you can understand why he is the go-to for the 49ers. In, um, in rushing yards, yep. rushing yards, he had 80. Receiving yards, he had 80. So he had a day out, and you have to remember that trick play that they went to <laughs> that worked absolutely wonders for the 49ers. Uh, look, I had a multi game that day, and I didn't read it out yesterday, but I had the same game multi. Yeah, I had the Kansas City Chiefs to win. Well, they won. I had Patty Mahomes to um, have 30-plus rushing yards. Well, he got 60. I had Patrick Mc- uh, Christian McCaffrey to get a touchdown. Well, he got a touchdown. And I had Travis Kelsey 
to get a touchdown. Well, I thought they were going to go to him in overtime because my bet was still alive in overtime. And even when there was 10 seconds left and they went to him in the corner, and I think it was Warner, defended him really well. I said, please, come on. But it wasn't meant to be. They went to Herdman and got the job done. I got a bonus back uh, from the TAB. So I will go again. But Travis Kelsey in that first half, one reception, one yard. Mm-mm. And he was livid. And, well, it pretty much leads us into our first Talking that it does triple threat the three big questions today. Yes, I was like, oh, don't, don't, just not uh, let me. Uh, uh. Travis Kelsey shoving Andy Reid and screaming into his ear on the sideline about wanting more game time at the end of that first half. Have you ever seen anything like that? I've never seen anything like that, and don't you dare go up to a coach like that. They spoke about it afterwards, and Andy Reid said, yeah, he caught me off balance. Um, Probably didn't expect that from Travis Kelsey, (laughs) spoiled little brat. Just wanted to impress Taylor Swift, didn't he? Um, Mate, he was pretty irrelevant in the first half, but you have to credit the 49ers. They were doubling up on him. They knew the threat that he was, and that allowed... The 49ers to pressure them, and the, the Chiefs only had one option, Isaiah Pacheco, and he fumbled. He had um, lollies you know, for, for hands. Uh, he couldn't catch a cold, was um, Isaiah Pacheco, the running back. He was under the pump in that first half. So they were constantly going at them, and you have to look to that Detroit Lions game when they were getting under the pump from uh, the running game for the Lions. There was an opportunity there, but you have to credit the 49ers. They... Well, it really solidified that up, but there is no way in hell that you go over and do that and you're frustrated as hell. The, the one, you, you weren't even open for most of that first half. And two, no one is bigger than the team. You know, they were setting them up perfectly from that first half. You look at the second half, he had 90, he, was, he had the highest receiving yards in the second half in the game for the Chiefs with 90-odd yards and nine receptions when you compare it to the first. So they were playing a perfect game of chess, but he couldn't see that. He couldn't see. He was just frustrated because he felt like he could have offered more, but he was double marked throughout that whole game. Yeah, 100%. I, the, the only, you know, the first thing that went through my head is mm. I saw that and I was like, hmm, what's Steve Hansen doing in that situation? Because I'm pretty sure Travis Kelsey would have got a right hook to the head. Hmm. Uh, (laughs) You just wouldn't even Look, you might walk off and stare up at the box I've done that a couple of times and go, what are you up to, mate? You know, I'll have a word to you later Yeah, But, uh, nah, it's just not not part of the game But hey, look, when when you're in the biggest game of your life And, you know, his partner's won 14 Grammys And he's won two Super Bowls You want to try and compete It's a competition for him and and Taylor Swift, you know? Taylor Swift got more airtime than Travis Kelsey mm, in that game. She did. And that was always going to happen. She was playing a dollar two favourite to get that done. Um, <laughs> what a, what so, a rookie you know, season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a sense of frustration was creeping in. The biggest game, you want you want airtime. Wasn't meant to be, but, mate, you found a way. And even in that last play, the last play when Patty Mahomes scored, like he was marked up big time. And it allowed Herdman... To go right and be uncovered. So you, you do what's best for the team, and that was always going to be the case. Double mark, Travis Kelsey, go a long way to winning the game. Yep, he did. Round two. The new Warriors jersey. Props to your mate Jason Paris and mm. uh, the crew at One New Zealand for going, you know what, we want to do the retro jersey for 30 years, mm. but a One New Zealand logo on the front won't make it look like a retro jersey. So 
don't worry about putting our logo on it. Let's just do something for the fans. How good does that mm. jersey look? It looks amazing. That that would be the most sought after jersey that the Warriors have ever worn throughout their thirty year history. Um, one of my mates is a tragic uh, Warriors fan, and I think he's got one, or he's after one. And you, you go look for them online; mm. they're they're selling for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars. They are expensive as hell, and you can understand why, man. They're just they're so nice. They've got the big collar, the retro collar. They've got the original badge that will replicate the the nineteen ninety five Warriors, and they go for a nice price too, one hundred and sixty bucks. Uh, look, I'd I'd, I'd spend that on a nice jersey like the Warriors. You'd have to say this will sell out really quick. I think it's going on sale for the members first, followed by the general public, and you'd have to say it'll be pretty hard to get one. But, mate, well done to Jason Paris and, and the Vodafone Warriors. They've had a relationship for 25 years now. The one New Zealand and, Warriors. Uh, the, the one New Zealand Warriors, Warriors. sorry. <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue, though, doesn't it? It's like Ericsson Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> the Vodafone Warriors. Vodafone's been gone for a long time, Israel. Um, no, I love it. Absolutely love it. And you'd have to say the day of the game. Have they announced what games they're going to wear them for? No, I don't know that they have yet. I don't know that they mm. have. I think it's going to be the home jersey, though, isn't it? Oh, mate. It is so cool. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Absolutely massive. Um, all over that. Round three. Now, I know we've talked a bit of Super Bowl, but we have to talk this because uh, Tony Romo, the former Cowboys quarterback, mm. was commentating for CBS, and he uh, he said, as the throw was made, he said, there he is, it's Michael Jordan in the clutch again. Like, that's how he called Paddy Mahomes' moment. Was that the most clutch play ever? You'd have to be. You'd have to say, not just that play, that whole drive was probably the most clutch couple of minutes. I think it was six-odd minutes that they held the ball for. They had seven minutes. The 49ers had seven minutes to kick a field goal. They had seven minutes left in overtime to go down and do what they did. So that was a very clutch moment, and they set them up perfectly. Travis Kelsey came alive in that overtime situation. But the way that he was under pressure, like their their ability to execute on the third down, I think it was nine times out of 19 opportunities, whereas you compare it to the 49ers, they had three from 12 times that they mm. executed the third down. He was just ice cold. Mate, here's, some, here's something else. At 28 years of age, and he's a three-time Super Bowl winner. I, I was on Twitter, and they put up some stats that I'm going to read off to you. Two-time NFL MVP, two first-team all, uh, two times first-team All-Pro, six straight AFC Championship games, three-time Super Bowl champ, three-time Super Bowl MVP, five hundred million dollar contract. He also has ownership in Kansas City Royals. Sorry. The Sporting Kansas City MLS, Kansas City Current, NWSL, Alpine Formula One team, Whataburger Whoop, high price, and he's only 28 years of age. He is a phenom. Yeah, he is a phenom. And it, it was interesting hearing the commentary team talk about it because they're mm. like, look, Tom Brady's the GOAT. Mm. But Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback I've ever seen play. 
Mm. You know, like, like, that's where we are. And I mean, how many yeah. is he? He's like you say, he's still only 28. I don't know that he's going to play to Brady's age, but he could probably play for another 10 years. How many more is he going to get in that time? Well, his contract, when that comes up, you have to, you have to kind of think about where that's going to be. Is it going to be an opportunity? Is he still winning championship? Mate, here's, if he continues on like this, you have to think of the year that they've had and the players that they lost. They were average with mm. receivers in that team. Watson came alive a wee bit. They had Travis Kelsey. They had Herdman. You know, a bunch of, bunch of no-names, no disrespect. But when you go from having Tyreek Hill, Juju Schuster, you know, absolutely class receivers and understand, okay, you know, he had, he had guys that he could throw the ball to. And then in comparisons to yesterday with the receivers he had and still to be able to do what he does, Tom Brady had um, Edelman. He had Gronk. He had Randy, you know, Randy Moss for a wee mm. bit. He had quality receivers and he had ability to throw the ball. Paddy Mahomes has the best footwork from a quarterback in the NFL, bar Lamar Jackson probably. His ability to stay calm and composed. And you look at some of his throws that he throws out there. Like, they aren't your traditional quarterback throws. They are underneath throws. They are like little throw from the front where he threw to Travis Kelsey. They are unorthodox as hell. But he finds a way. Doesn't matter how much pressure he's getting, he still seems to, to find a way. I don't know. Like, the world's his oyster. It is. <laughs> 28 I mean, years. Can only... he get Brady? What do you reckon? Well, the, I was going to say... Because of the way he plays, he plays differently to Brady, right? Mm. Brock Purdy's mm. more like Brady in the way that mm. he manages a game. Yeah. Um, so Mahomes does rely a lot on his mobility and his footwork. Yeah. So that, for me, would suggest that maybe he won't go as long because that mm. will go, you know, you get a decent injury. You know, the way those guys get knocked around, you get a decent knee injury or ankle injury and maybe you lose some of that and he'll lose some of uh, what he has about him. Now, I guess it's just about how then, as he gets older, he reinvents himself and, 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 yeah. and starts to play differently to, to cope with the changes going on around him. Yeah. he ne- And he never really gets hit, though. No. Never really gets hit, whereas, yeah, Brady was just standing in the pocket and deliver tracer bullets, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I can understand from, from that aspect what you mean. But, yeah, man, like... Well done to the Chiefs. Well done to Andy Reid and the team. Back-to-back champions and a handful that's ever done it. Yeah. And, um, you know, you have to say, going the next year, 49ers are hot favourites. But you never write the Chiefs. Did you write the Chiefs off leading into the playoffs? Yeah, I did. They, they were average. They, were, they, they had an average season. Had a real mm. roller coaster of a season. Uh, I did like though, just before we wrap, wrap this, Andy Reid at the press conference afterwards being asked if he was going to retire now or if he's going to say, and he mm. goes, "Oh man, Bill Belichick's to blame for this. Now that he's retired, I'm going to get this question every time." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he's a he's a good he's a good man. Oh, uh, oh, Andy Reid, and a man of few words, but yeah, what a day! Absolutely love that. We're sitting down and watching it. And just, I, ha- I just had a sandwich. Just had a sandwich. Didn't have anything special well, on, on the well, mate, I've got to say, I did. I did. I went. You know, what we, you, we, you know how we've been talking about, uh, you know, our Burger Fuel being sponsoring our Super Bowl yeah. coverage. And we've been talking about the Iron Rebel. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I was driving home from here yesterday and I was like, you know, it'd be good. The oh. Iron Rebel. The beer battered fries with the aioli sauce. Oh, you naughty boy. Yes, go. And a caramel thick shake. 
Oh, was that your chosen food? Yeah, that was for the Super Bowl. That was my Super Bowl. That was my Super Bowl feed that fueled me. Talk me through this rebel, mate. Talk me through this rebel. What's in this rebel? How it tastes. I love burger food. Don't get me wrong. It's my favorite, probably burger. Oh, so good. So it's got the that that full beef patty, right? But then Mm -hmm. on top of it, layered probably I reckon about an inch thick, is pulled beef that's been marinated. Okay. And it, I don't, I'm not sure what was in the marinade. I've got that, a feeling that it might have been some sort of mango chutney kind of thing going on as well. Uh, and then you had, obviously, you had a thick layer of cheddar in there. Mm. And then a bit of lettuce, you know, to break it up and some, uh, and some what do you call it, rocket and some tomato. And, oh, mate, honestly, I absolutely smashed. I'm salivating. I smashed that and it was so good. I didn't, I didn't need to eat again until Did after the Super Bowl. Did I breathe? Did you breathe? I breathed well, it yeah. in. I breathed it in. <laughs> Just inhaled it. Oh man, I love I love burger food. Don't get me wrong, but my favourite, and I probably should have got it yesterday. I know we're doing uh, a rebel campaign, and, mm. and I'm. I know it's going to be tasty. I might have to try the next one, but I'm just a straight American double muscle. Oh, yeah. Double yeah. American muscle. Yeah. Because it was American sport, double American muscle. I should have got it. Should have done it, mate. Should have done it. No, I'm a big fan of, uh, what, what's it called? Is it the uh, the Burnout Burger? I think is, is probably. Freak general. Out? The Freak Out, sorry. The Freak Out. Yeah, I think that's that's generally my favourite. But I'll tell you what, Iron Rebel's gone a long way to beating that. That was that was mm. outstanding yesterday. Anyway, enough about what I had for lunch uh, at the Super Bowl. <laughs> it is 6.26 here on Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast. Powered by Kubota take on any job with Kubota's mowers tractors and land pride attachments. 27 away from 7 o'clock here on SENZ breakfast. Uh, South Sydney Rabbitohs 5-8 Cody Walker is set to become the latest big name player unavailable for the All-Stars match after reportedly sustaining an injury. Sydney Morning Herald is reporting that he sustained a calf strain and is currently racing the clock to be fit in time for the Rabbitohs season opener in Las Vegas. Uh, he was supposed to captain the Indigenous All-Stars team on Friday. Understood that three players are now in contention to become skipper Latrell Mitchell, Josh Adokar and Nico Hines. Yeah, that's a huge, huge loss for the Rabbitohs, isn't it? Mm. And um, plenty going on in the NRL. Plenty I, of goss happening mate, thrown around. Don't worry about that. I have got you. I have got you ah. on that front because uh, Brisbane Broncos star Adam Reynolds and Patrick mm. Carrigan have been captured on camera fighting each other just three nah, weeks before the opening haven't. match. They have. Nah, <laughs> you're kidding me. No, true story. <laughs> A video oh, no. has circulated across <laughs> social media of the two aggressively grabbing and shoving each other. And you can hear people going, no, stop it, and Adam. Pat, stop it. Uh, the Broncos have released a statement confirming the NRL Integrity Unit has been informed and the Broncos are looking into the incident involving some of its playing group after a late night incident in the city. Well, I'm hearing their best mates, um, and I'm going to be on my high horse now because I don't drink, so, you know, hear me out. Um, just give up. Just give up drinking. Like The, the NRL, yep. for how great of a product it is, off the field they create so much controversy it's not funny. Yeah, they are in the headlines for all the wrong reasons, and I've spoken to a few people that have been relatively close to the NRL, and have uh, a job that they do, looking after NRL players, and they've said some things to me, and I'm like, Nah, you're kidding me, that does not go on. There uh, is there a drinking problem in the NRL? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I, I I think mm. it's quite easy to see and, that. And why are they able to continue to get away with it? Why do they continue to just get a slap on the hand? 
Yeah, well, that that is the million dollar question because mm. you know I've been mean, I look at it like this, you know, and it, it's easy in hindsight, and you're a bit older yeah. and a bit more mature and things. Well, I don't know about mature, but oh, a bit older, older, and mature, yeah, 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 for sure. But I look at it and go, look, you've got what 12, 15 years max mm. of that to be the best thing you can do that you can make the most money in your career that you're going to make. Yeah. So why don't you do everything you can to be the best you can be for that period of time? You can have all the beers you want once you're retired. Mm. I wish I knew now. Well, I wish I knew back then what I know now. Yeah. You know, when you say that, that if I had focused more on my career and not about the, the after-party event, winning winning the title, blah, 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 you know, what could have been? You know, I had a, a nice career, but uh, like when I reflect, and I'll be openly honest, I probably didn't commit as much as I probably should have and I still went okay but imagine if I had to put all my eggs into that basket and stay fully committed and that is the difference between good and great when you're when you're totally committed like the NRL constantly having to deal with things off 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 the field to get this um this competition and we love it it's a great competition but all the spotlight is um, I was, you know, Danny Wilder always going out and finding all the goss, all the leaks and everything. You know, um, Reese Walsh just finally getting his visa accepted to go to round one in the NRL because of what unfolded in the last couple of years. Like, I don't know. They and they, they just continued to get a slap on the wrist, and they continue just to, because it's you know, once you you get caught and there's no real consequences, it's not really going to stop you from doing something. Well, I don't know if you pay any attention to it, Izzy, but I'd be interested to see how different AFL is. Like, I've got no interest in AFL whatsoever, so I don't mm. follow it. But do they have the same issues? I think they have the same issues, uh, but they have, from what I'm hearing, is they have security that goes out with them everywhere. doesn't matter if it's a final or it's a, pre- an, uh, a regular season game. They have security that go with them throughout the whole time whereas in the NRL they're big adults and you can't have that kind of commitment from every team and every player and a lot of these players probably aren't here to go out and they're breaking curfew and protocol so they go on their own limb and that's where all the everything unfolds so I think the AFL kind of have a real good plan based around um, public arenas and going out in public in the public eye whereas the NRL kind of just go out on a limb and a lot of these players put a you know into their own in their own hands, and this all unfolds because you got you got to remember, like this, there's, there's people out there that are trying to sabotage you. I know from personal experiences, there are people out there that are just talking you into situations. No, you know, this isn't an excuse for Adam Reynolds and Paddy Carrigan, two of the senior players for the Brisbane Broncos. That just looked horrible, and they were both pissed out of their brains. Um, they would have woken up and probably apologised and gave each other a hug. But you just got to remember, like, people are out there. Phones are everywhere, and phones are the burden of a lot of these situations. They capture everything. Imagine if there was phones like this back in, um, you know, Buck Shelford's days and, you know, the Tanumanga. Well, there was a phone because Tanumanga and Chris Marceau, when they had a scrap down here, that's all got got caught. But it's just a different landscape now. People are out there to sabotage you to create a headline. Yep, 100%. 100%. All right, uh, let's move on. Uh, it's sort of. It's still league yeah, league adjacent. Uh, the Sydney Roosters 
could farewell mm. three players to rugby union at the end of the season, with Angus Crichton becoming the latest link to a 15-man code move. Now, they've got Joseph Suwali already going to the Wallabies, and Joey Manu's now indicated that uh, if he's going to leave the Roosters, it's going to be for rugby, uh, and he's had offers in France and Japan. Uh, it's come out that Angus Crichton, uh, has got uh, offers on the table from several French clubs and is not re-signing with the Roosters at the end of this year. Um, this is interesting for me, though, Izzy. The, what does this say about Rugby Australia, right? Rugby Australia offered him 800k a year six mm. months ago to switch for two years, and his agent said, like the vast majority of the rugby public, we're apprehensive about the state of the game. Mm. So they didn't take it, but now they're going to go to France and play. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, mate. Like they don't even know if they're going to get paid. Like that's yeah. a number, but have they got the budget and and the background money to to get them paid? Like, there's just so many concerns over there. I'm not surprised that a lot of these leagueies are going and playing rugby overseas. What's on offer is an experience to go and experience the world and get paid for it. To go and live in these magical countries and get paid for it. And when you can, when you when you kind of convert back to, to Australian dollars from the euro that they're getting, they're going to double their money. Um, so, look, this is going to be a battle that we're only not seeing in New Zealand, but particularly in the NRL, there's going to be more of this happening. Three of their premier players are leaving the Roosters. You have to say Nick Pilatus and the Roosters will be nervous as hell because this is a player drainage that is going to hurt them for years. Yeah, yeah, 100% is uh, uh, interesting to see. If they can turn this around. Uh, I mean, mm. Manu and Crichton haven't signed yet, but their contracts they are will. up at this year, and it has already been said about Manu that they could either sign Kerry or Manu to an extension, and they've already signed Kerry. So that looks like Manu is going because he said he doesn't want to play for any other league club other than the Roosters. So mm. that would suggest he is gone. Buddings Trade can help you get back to work with amazing value on a huge range. Love to hear from you. Double eight, double three on that. As a league fan, are you worried about a player drain to not so much uh, union in New Zealand and Australia, but union up in Europe and Japan? It's going to continue to happen, Rick Dog. It's only the start. I told you, you're getting comfortable, and rugby's coming back. We're making a comeback, baby. Well, you know, you could, I don't know if it's quite <laughs> tinfoil hat material, but remember who started the whole stoush with NRL around rugby, mm. there's poaching players and that? Mm. Yeah, where's he now? Mm. Japan. <laughs> where's, there, where's there lots of money? Japan. Mm. 18 away from seven. Love to hear from you. Double eight, double three. You are listening to Izzy and Ricardo on SENZ Breakfast. And of course, we are powered uh, by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. 13 away from 78833 is the Temper Bedpost text machine. Uh, we want to hear from you, and a few of you have already uh, weighed in. And I think uh, no name on the text, please. When you do text us, put your name on the text uh, so we know uh, who we're talking to. But I think this is a, a fantastic uh, text. Is there, I mean, can you get your reaction to it? But it may have been the wrong choice of words, but phones aren't the burden, is he? People's attitudes and entitlement are the burden. Thinking because yeah. they're stars, they can get away with anything. Yeah, that's a fair point for sure. Um, look, I'll be honest, when you're out there and your ego's getting stroked constantly, you kind of forget 
about the consequences and you lose sight. And particularly when alcohol's involved, you know, you grow another arm, you grow another leg and you, your head's exploding because everyone's wanting a piece of you. You can kind of lose sight um, for sure. So that, you're dead right. Like it's part and parcel of the day that we live in. Um, but at the moment, we're just constantly seeing all the NRL players are, um, you know, putting themselves in, in awkward situations. And Paul sent through a pretty um, good message as well on double eight, double three. Come on, as you know, there is just as much shenanigan goes on in rugby. The difference is it is swept under the carpet and covered up. Don't get me wrong. It's in all sport, not only just rugby, not only NRL. There'll be lots of it going on in the NBA. I know James Harden's had his problems over there in the NBA, the NFL. It happens, um, and I guess the difference is that they do have better managers that can manage the background work, whereas the NRL, it's in the media before even the player knows about it and the agents. So, um, like it's, hap- it's in all sport. Don't get me wrong. And, and I was a prime... Um, you know, candidate for that. I used to love to drink. I used to love going out and celebrating afterwards. And I always used to lose sight of who I was and, and who I represented. Because once you get a bit of juice in you, you just forget everything. And nothing's a problem. You don't think about the consequences. What's the common denominator, is he, across all of those sports you've just mentioned? It's young blokes full of testosterone mm. with more money than they know what to do with and superstar status. Egos. Egos. Mm. Yeah. I had, a, I, had a, I had an egotistic, I had an ego problem. Sure, and I'll be happily to admit that. I used to love going out there and getting the tension and then stroking and then thinking my shit didn't stink. But, you know, um, one day it hits you right between the eyes and that's when you're going to have a wake-up. And a lot of these players, I didn't expect to see Adam Reynolds and Paddy Carrigan, two no. really well-respected players out there having a full-on tussle like that. So the common denominator is, is alcohol. It does, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's probably how we're, consuming it and that was my problem yeah 100% um I, I mean I wasn't I wasn't famous is he I wasn't a, I wasn't an all black so but I probably did as many stupid things on the juice as you did over the years but you know nobody talked about it because no one knew who I was when you did your stupid things when you made a mistake and I've had a lot of reflection over the last <laughs> six months thinking what is the common denominator well it's alcohol Israel when you get alcohol in your body, you just don't give a stuff. And you go and do what you do. So you get rid of it. And man, life is good. But life is good. But I'm not saying don't get rid of it. I think it's just having the understanding of balance and when's enough enough. And, you know, cricket has, as a prime example, they are probably, you know, they love the drink. No, Baz, when I worked with him, he loved the drink. But the thing with cricketers is it's test cricket. You go five days, so you pace yourself. Whereas rugby is an 80-minute game. We go all in. We go all out. And we go, you know, we try and win the race in, in 80 minutes. So it's not what we're drinking. It's kind of like how we're drinking at the moment. I think yeah, yep. it's a bit of a concern out there, not only in sport and probably life. Well, I just see they, they had, they've been having problems at uh, the, uh, what was the big golf event over in the States where they have the big party uh, in Arizona? Yeah, the wasted management, I've not been to that. Wasted <laughs> management is right, yeah. Like, and now uh, to the point that all the players are complaining about the crowd and they had to shut bars and all sorts of stuff. Um, you had Jordan Spieth telling people to F off and F up and all sorts of things, and that was all on camera because they were people yelling as he's midway through his swing. And um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Definitely, um, mm. yeah, causing a few problems here. Jimmy sent this one through, which I think is quite good. Lads, 
It's an Australian problem all round, not code dependent. I don't know about that. I think you probably find it here too. But great game yesterday. Got me thinking though, Izzy, why can't NFL players step? They just stop dead in their tracks. And was that commentator serious when he said the players were tired? Usher must have been the fittest man on the field. Rick mm. Dog, do you think musicians are just as fit as some athletes, or was that performance enhancing? <laughs> mate, I, 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 I hit the mute on the Usher halftime performance, mate. There was no, nothing enhanced about that. I'll tell you that much for free. Oh. <laughs> that was great, Rick Dog. Oh, was it? Come okay. on. Right. Uh, expand your bloody music, bro. Come on. <laughs> Get, you know, spread your wings. Um, yeah, look, I, I tend to think they're not as fit. Is because you look at Travis Kelsey, he'd do one run and then he'd go straight off, and you bring it on. So, like, it's rolling subs, eh, for a lot of it. Uh, and there's a lot of stoppages. Like, that game went for five odd hours, mm. and I knew when there was a turnover, like, they'll go to an air break for two minutes. So, the game stops and starts. So, yeah, I potentially think they're, they're not as fit as, as other sports. And why can't they step? Well, Christian McCaffrey can step. He's a pretty good stepper. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they're just top heavy with the pads and the helmets. You can't probably manoeuvre. I might have to try it because wearing a helmet probably changes your balance from up top. Um, yeah, I'd hope to see more steps and a bit of skill set. I saw the goosey from Christian McCaffrey mm. when he'd done the wide receiver. That was pretty darn good. Yeah. But yeah, fair question. Yeah, I liked it. Good question. Keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. We'll get to more of those shortly. We are six away from seven. This is Breakfast on SENZ Powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. It is a couple of minutes away from seven o'clock. Our plenty of texts through on double eight, double three. Jace. Used to have run-ins with All Blacks all the time when I was working bars in Wellington back in the day. Most except for Ali Williams. He was awesome and polite, even though he was cheeky. No surprises, Ali was out there. He loves it. <laughs> Absolutely loves it. Oh, you, you have run-in with me, Jase? <laughs> yeah, do, do, do tell us, mate. Do tell us. Send that through. Send that through. Hey, uh, we've got, a, got a, a plenty of asking about uh, Izzy uh, now, but mm. uh, we, we won't go there. But uh, Paul has sent this one through, Izzy, and I'm keen to get your take on this. Doesn't say much about rugby. When league players go to take easy cash, it says more that rugby doesn't have the athletes like the NRL players, and they're the envy of the rah-rahs. Oh, count it out, mate. <laughs> is, this, is, is that you, Kimpy? <laughs> Kimpy's burner phone. <laughs> Stop winding me up, mate. Give <laughs> it a laugh. Oh, and apparently Manu Vaduvai has been uh, been running with the Scorpions at training. Be interesting to see if uh, he gets cleared to play. Uh, oh, stuff tackling him, I'll tell you that Ooh. right now. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. Here's Araha with news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. Uh, if only we were just like had the cameras live, you could all see Izzy seat dancing uh, to the song. Uh, welcome back into the show. Can't tell me you don't like that, Rick Doll. Come on, bro. Yeah, it's not bad. I don't know who is it. <laughs> who is it? Oh, mate. Three time platinum artist. Three time platinum artist, Usher. Oh, so that's Usher. Right, that's okay. Usher. Okay, okay, good. Well, this hit single, yeah. Yeah, it just sounds like. The outtakes. Ludacris. It sounds like the outtakes of all the Michael Jackson songs where he just says, woo, and yeah, and they've just put it all together. That's what it sounds like. Probably better than Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, did I just say that? No, I'm only joking. But he can dance. Big, uh, he yeah. can dance. Mate, do you see how he moved with his rollerblades on? No. Now you muted it. Well, he was dancing. I muted it into the, the dishes. <laughs> went, went off and came back with some rollerblades. Alicia Keys, Ludacris. Man, that was probably one of the better 
half-time performances. Okay. All right. There you go. Uh, Loving the half-time entertainment. I don't know if we're going to get sort of half-time entertainment like that at the New Zealand Golf Open. Is he? Uh, but uh, we probably won't get the bars around the course like they do at the at the wasted management uh, uh, open as well that we're seeing all the news stories about. But Michael Glading joins us uh, to talk in New Zealand Open. Good morning, Michael. How are you doing? Yeah, morning, boys. Very good, thank you. That's the story, mate. You, you guys are far too sensible to be putting bars all around the course like they've, they've, they've had over in Phoenix, aren't you? Well, you know, now that as you stop drinking, we probably can relook at that. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, we we have had that our whole for quite a while. <laughs> it's it's going to be a different uh, tournament for myself, Michael. But I'm very excited because every week there seems to be a new announcement in regards to the New Zealand Open. You've got. Uh, two latest announcements from the playing field. You've got Jane Watson and Ond, and then you've got uh, Hong Kong's Tai Chi Ko, who have come through. They're both, uh, you know, one's at the end of their career, one's starting out. Mate, uh, that's huge announcements. The playing field just tends to get stronger and stronger every week. Yeah, actually, you know, Jane's going to be very offended when you say it, when, when he hears that, mate, because uh, he's about 28. <laughs> So he's at the end of his career I feel like he's been around that put, forever. That puts me, that puts me, yeah, well, he, you're right, actually, because he was a bit of a, a roster around 18, 19. But, uh, yeah, if he's at the end of his career, I am six feet under. But that said, I didn't have a career. So that's not, but, uh, yeah, look, getting those guys, uh, I mean, there are, you know, our challenge with getting a really good players out of Asia is that a lot of, uh, a lot of Kiwis don't know them. We don't get Asian tour on Sky TV, sadly, but hopefully uh, that'll change in the future. But we, you know, there's some great players out of that part of the world. So, uh, but you know, Gaz uh, has been before. Uh, he has certainly played on mm. PJ uh, on the PJ Tour. He's also played uh, regularly on the DP World Tour. So a fair few Kiwis will know him. Um, and then another boy, Kai Chi Ko, uh, ironically, yet another surname Ko, although it's K H O. And Tai Chi is a fantastic young player. He's only. I think he's 22, 23, came out of the American college system and and, and just got that air of stardom about him. He, he won, I think, fourth start out, he won on the Asian tour and uh, was top 10 player there last year. So, yeah, it, it's, it's uh, getting the field together is, is, is kind of weird. I think, you know, a lot of other sports, the field is, uh, the field is sorted out months in advance and now from it, we kind of keep accumulating there as we get closer to cutoff time. But we, we, we're getting there, we're very happy with it. Is it, are you finding it easier, or, or is it quite challenging to entice these these players to come play? Like with the playing calendar, you've got the DP World Tour, you've got the PGA, we've just had the Waste Management, you've got Dubai, you've got Australia, the Webex Series. Like, how hard is it to encourage these players to come and play, Michael? Well, the lifting hasn't helped either, to be honest with you, mm. because uh, they have a relationship with the Asian Tour, so. A fair few of those guys, um, you know, they, they get they either get a start or they, they get, uh, believe it or not, they actually pay people to be a, a reserve because of their team format and the, and the lip thing so that they are literally sitting on the bench. And their other big issue is that the week before our tournament, uh, there is a, uh, what they call the International Series, which is like the equivalent to the Rolex Series on BB World Tour. In other words, their highest money, one of the highest money tournaments is in Oman. And getting from Oman to Queenstown is a real challenge. So, you 
you know, some of these, I mean, the, the Asian tour players coming down, a lot of them won't get here until Tuesday afternoon, which is really tough um, when, you've only, when you've got two, two courses to practice on. So, but, you know, it, so it's, you're right, it's the, it's the crowded calendar and the logistics that make life really difficult. But, you know, it shows, it shows really, I guess, still uh, the, the attraction, particularly of Queenstown, uh, and the fact that, you know, people like you are playing in the tournament, it helps bring people down here. Oh, it's by far my favourite event of the year. It's it's Super Bowl, New Zealand's own Super Bowl. I'll put it out there right now. Absolutely, I uh, love it. But like I said earlier, Michael, there's there's announcements that keep come uh, keep arising each week. Talk, talk to us about your relationship with new sponsors and the partnership with the TAB. Yeah, well, I mean, the TAB is we've got quite a few new sponsors come on this year. Um, we're very fortunate at, at the top of our ladder to get Craig's investment partners who have come in uh, at, at a major level, which is really, really huge for us. Um, but as you say, at the at the tradesman uh, uh, end of the end of the game, we've got you know we've got sponsors like. Uh, uh, well, TAB have come in, of course, uh, which is mm. fantastic. In, in the domestic scene, should I say, uh, you know, as well as Craig's, uh, Craig's have come in as a major, uh, TAB have come on board. Canyon Brewery have come on board, which is absolutely brilliant. They're a Queenstown brewery um, and, and really good guys. Uh, we've got Delicates Insurance. We've got um, uh, Skate Grace, uh, Cookie Time. So, you know, and these all add up. You know, they're all, uh, yeah. you know, some are bigger than others, of course, but uh, it, it no, it's very encouraging, and you know it's the first time TAB have been uh, involved in that tournament. And uh, I guess we've knocked on the door a couple of times, um, but it's very, very uh, encouraging to have them come on board. I think they it adds just another dimension. Michael, are you allowed to sh- able to share with our listeners? Um, I do my best to share about uh, what the experience is like to be able to go to the New Zealand Open, and it's free entry. Am I right? And what could they expect if they could come along and and, and participate and visit? Well, yeah, you're right. It is free entry, which is, again is a bit unique, right, for an event, uh, an international event worth carrying two million dollars worth of prize money uh, to be able to walk yeah. the tour is, is is pretty special. I think that reflects Queenstown and reflects what we're trying to do here, which is really you know create a family type environment. I mean, obviously this this uh, world class golf, uh, which is uh, the core of what we deliver, clearly, or what the pros deliver, should I say? But you know the, the fact that the pro am format uh, has allowed us to bring in people. Um, you know, people like Ricky Ponting, Ash Barty, you know, Slim, uh, mm. uh, um, Jeff Wilson, you, your good self. You know, it just adds a different dimension. And for some people, that's great. Um, other people are there simply for the golf. And, and, and there are other people there really just for for the environment because, as you will know, it's, it's a fantastic part of the world. You know, mm. you, and you go back to your earlier question about attracting players. I mean, the biggest calling card we've got is Queenstown. You know, people just love it. Uh, and that's from players through to spectators so yeah look it's, it's a we try and create a, as, as much of a family environment as we possibly can and uh, you know again we're joking about not creating the Scottsdale thing uh, yeah that wouldn't work in Queenstown because it is just such a nice family environment so uh, we'll leave Scottsdale for uh, some live event somewhere else across the Tasman I think <laughs> <laughs> sounds, sounds like it sounds like a go Michael you know it's all about looking outside the box and, and trying to figure out what else you can do uh, to put money back into the tournament so you can offer more money to players to get bigger, better fields, etc. Have you thought, you know, if, if having someone like Izzy back
back in the field for the pro-ams of selling your own branded helmets for the people sitting in the crowd. Um, it feels like that, that's something that maybe is a way that you could particularly make some money, uh, particularly if you're hitting, you know, 105 off the off your round. Uh, well, I hadn't thought about that, actually, but it's a really good idea. Maybe maybe we could just get the SEN helmets or something like that. Yeah, that might be the way to go. Um, that the only normal. thing is, having, having seen it, with that, you need to have, make sure that people are wearing them about 300 metres off the tee because it does hit it a fairly long way. So, so being close is actually going to be fine. It's when it lands, you see. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's a good thought. Thanks for that. We're, as you say, we're always looking for new angles. Yeah, yeah, no, my, my pleasure. Anytime. I did hit it into the Millbrook restaurant on uh, on the seventeenth there before you play the par three. I had a three wood in and I hit the two on and I shanked it right and it landed up in there amongst the the public. So I had to walk up there embarrassed as hell and take a drop. But that won't be happening, well, Michael. Let me, let me tell you, let me tell you, eighteen is for you is going to be uh, even more uh, foreboding because we've built now basically all the hospitality area covers uh, almost uh, well certainly fifty percent of the area to the left and sweeps all the way around the back of the green so it's a it's a pretty good look but, is it different uh, when you stand on that tee when you stand on that tee the knees are going to be shaking a little particularly when i start flashing the camera at you it's going to be very good <laughs> oh it's totally so is it going right around the par 318 is that going to be fully yes. covered on the embankment yes. there yeah pretty much pretty much i mean it's a that's all the, uh, the hospitality area we're building a small stand at the back of the area as well but it's going to move it's going to yeah it does uh, i mean i've seen it uh, it's in the middle of our build we're nearly well all the basic structure is done now uh and it, yeah, it looks fantastic but it certainly has created that sort of yeah, style finish so uh, again without without uh, the, the huge amounts of alcohol that are sunk it's quite stale but it is going to create a create a, a great environment i reckon yeah now the, the new zealand opens a few a couple of weeks away yet but there is another event coming up soon uh, as uh, basically the i guess you would call it the pinnacle of the jenny and holmes charles tour the uh, race to Tieki. um can you tell us a bit about this and and, and how this works um, I can't tell you an awful lot about it because uh, because that is a golf NZ uh, event rather than us. So um, so I, I have really actually been heavily involved in that one. To be honest with you, I've, uh, it is the culmination of um, of effectively the Charles Tour uh, events mm-hmm. and the top thirty uh, odd players are playing uh, down at Deki on the new course. So it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. But uh, yeah, being brutally honest with you guys, I'm kind of you know dawn to dusk on 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 a uh, on a on a on an event which is uh, which is just consuming me at the moment. So, <laughs> so uh, whilst I look at what's happening around the world and uh, yeah, I had the television on with it to the sound off, um, I'm not paying a lot of attention right now, other than to uh, making sure that these and these cohorts uh, are very comfortable down in Queenstown. Do, do, does having something like that though, leading in the you know sort of in the weeks before the New Zealand Open, help you get some of the Kiwi players back here from overseas? Uh, not really. I mean, you know, again, it's Queenstown, and this is not in any way uh, down down playing the road to Tiki, uh, race to Tiki event. But no, I, you know, I think the reality is that uh, the likes of uh, Dan Hillier, etc., are only coming back for the for the national open. Steve Belker, um, you know, these guys. But you know, having obviously uh, the likes of Kazuma Kabori, who's just an absolute, you know, uh, incredible what he's doing uh, in Australia, winning winning three tournaments uh, this year already, um, and uh, and obviously Mike Henry and 
Josh Geary and having these boys back. Mm. I think for them too, it's uh, getting into a sort of small field, very competitive event as they lead into the Open will also be very, very good for them. I'm really, you know, I, I say it every year, I know, but I, I guess I'm quietly more confident than ever that we might well have a Kiwi winner of the New Zealand Open mm. this year. And, and uh, that would be a great outcome. It'll, you know, when it does happen, it's always, it's always fantastic. So. Yeah, I think everyone, the name that's on everyone's lips is Ryan Fox. When will we know the cutoff if Fox is coming? Is he not coming? Can you tell us, Michael? <laughs> um, I, I would be, I'd be uh, surprised now if he does come. Um, he really needed a top five finish uh, in the last, I mean, the previous week he couldn't even get into the tournament, which is bloody outrageous when you consider he was, you know, he's still 34 in the world. Um, and, uh, and, and in true PGA Tour style, um, that and put him in the tournament. Um, uh, this year he performed exceptionally well. He had nine bad holes, which really, really blew him apart, unfortunately, in round three. Um, but, you know, Foxy's been a huge supporter, will play in this tournament many times. It, it is one of mm. his goals. He, um, but, you know, at the same token, he's almost like having to start out again because he's got to got to just get runs on the board on the PGA Tour to keep playing. Um, it's mm. uh, Their fields, you know, they're... They're combating live by trying to produce their own little live by having smaller fields and uh, and bigger purses and and that's great if you're uh, if you're a American and b top thirty um, but if you're neither of those things and Foxy's uh, just outside the top thirty um, they're not doing any favors quite frankly um, so it's tough for him it's really tough for him he's still got his DP uh, World Tour card and I know he's planning on playing at the minimum number of tournaments there as well um, but it's yeah it it I feel really sorry for him. He's been fantastic. Mm. I do have a room still on hold for him, um, but in fact, uh, uh, he's. Uh, we will make a decision this week. When I say we, it really is jointly. He's been. He's fantastic. He keeps in touch. Uh, he, he has a genuine desire to play in the event. But I get it. I get it. This is his year on the PGA Tour. He's 36 years old. He's probably got four years to really, really make some serious money uh, on the PGA Tour, and he's got to do that. So um, we just have to respect that. And at the end of the day, we've got Steve Belko. We've got we've got Dan Hilly, mm. we've got Kazuma, uh, you know we've got all these boys. Um, Tim Wilkinson's actually coming back from the USA because he's just coming back from an injury uh, problem and uh, and and is uh, going to be playing a few PGA Tour events later in the year. So yeah, look, I mean, you know, we've got mm. we're going to have a very 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 strong TV field. But yeah, obviously we'd love to have Foxy back. Um, I think it's highly unlikely. Mm. Uh, Michael, I, I understand that you you might slightly off topic, but you might be a uh, an, an, an Arsenal tragic. Um, how are you feeling about the title charge this season? Uh, how confident are you? What a lovely, lovely, lovely segue. Yes, look, I'm <laughs> feeling absolutely on top of the world. Thank you, having uh, having watched the six uh, nil thumping last night and and, and the, the win over Liverpool the week before. Yeah. Quietly confident, to be honest, boys. But you know, you never know. It's uh, it's such a competitive league. I mean, uh, uh, you know, it's never easy to play against the, uh, the the state of Qatar. Oh, sorry, I mean Manchester City. Uh, and so you know, that's that's never easy. But uh, but you know, right in there, they're in the race, and that's all you can ask for. So it's a lot of fun. It's certainly a lot better than being a Chelsea fan, but that way. Well, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Good stuff, Michael. Thanks very much for your time, mate. Go well. Thanks, yeah, Michael. Thanks, See you soon. Talk. Okay. Cheers. See you later. Yeah, Michael Clayton there, uh, talking New Zealand Open, and yeah, um, yeah. It sounds like it's it, it's growing and growing and growing. What he was talking about, what's it happening is. around the 18th? Yeah, it's the yeah the 18th. Traditionally, they had the Champions Lounge, which is predominantly on the left if you're facing the hole from the T block, and now it's going to expand through uh, right in the embankment 
in in the round. It's it's going to be an awesome like. If you haven't experienced it, I know it's one of those places. It's a, it's a bit of a luxury to go to Queenstown, but it's a magical spot, and it is free entry. So, if you are able and and you want to go and witness, you know, some some awesome golfers that are playing for the biggest purse on offer at a New Zealand Open event, over two million dollars uh, in, in the purse, which will encourage big players um, to come along. Some fantastic golfers are going to be on offer. Some hackers like myself. And Ash Barty, like Ash Barty, Ricky Ponting, so Ian, both of them are going to be down there. I'm actually taking a, a radio kit down with me, mm. and I'm going to set it up in a uh, in an area that has a bit of a presence, and I'm going to try and encourage. Last year I had Sir, Sir Ian, both of them on the show. I'll try and encourage uh, Ricky Ponty. I'll try my hardest to get Ash Barty. To come on, but mate, it's an awesome week, great event, and um, if you're able, you should come along. Right, well, I'm getting told off by Sam on double eight double three. Ricardo, take it easy on Izzy. He's just been mentioned alongside Ash Barty and Ricky Ponting, superstars. <laughs> Izzy's finally made it. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> Look at that. Thanks for your text, Sam. Keep them coming through on double eight double three. Yeah, how am I in that even in the same conversation with those legends? Absolutely. Well, you know why? Yeah. Don't know why. <laughs> oh, come on. Say it. Say it. You're listening to SENZ Breakfast powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. You can get us anytime on double eight double three. It is the temper bedpost text machine. Keep your texts coming through. Izzy. Where'd why? you go? I, I just went to put some stuff in the rubbish and rinse out my coffee cup. And then got talking to Brian. You know how it is. Um, Izzy, my wife works at a bar called the Container Bar. It gets oh. set up for the New Zealand Open. I've already warned her that Dagger's only allowed three beers. So Jamie obviously hasn't hasn't cottoned on to the fact that you're not drinking anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll have three zero percenters though, Jamie. I don't mind the odd zero, but uh I'll go along and say good day, mate. Appreciate your message. And Maury sent through his stopping drinking helped you lose any weight, has he? Uh it's not probably just the drinking. I've been training pretty hard. The diet's so much better. I've dropped about eight kgs. What are you now? Um about at one oh two. Oh yeah. What's the goal? So I was a hundred and I was a hundred and about I think I was about a hundred and eleven, man. Like I was yeah, yeah pretty pretty blown out. Uh I want to get under a hundred. So probably ninety eight. Somewhere around a there. couple more kilos. Just keep training. What was playing weight? Ninety five. Mm, okay. Played at ninety five. Yeah. So I can't sustain that. It was unsustainable trying to play at ninety five. Um but yeah, and I went for a run yesterday. So mm. I obviously got my knee done about six months ago. Wasn't far, but we were doing uh, EMOMs and, and high intensity training, and then in between you got to run four hundred meters, one hundred and fifty meters. Did that a couple of times, and yeah, I was quite surprised. It felt good on my what, knees. What were you running on? Grass or road? Or? No, I was, on the, I was on the road. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I was on the road, so there's a little bit of jarring there, but yeah, it was. It was good to get out there and start trotting around again. Yeah, nice, mate. Good work. Good work. Uh, this text come through from Jimmy. I'm with you, Rick Dog. Usher was on mute for me, but he played for 15 minutes straight singing and dancing, more intense than anything any NFL player did on the day. That Kelsey fellow would have had a heart attack if he had to play straight for 15 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, you have to appreciate entertainers, eh? Like, when I was close, up and close with the, the Foo Fighters, man, they just work hard for mm. three hours straight. Moving, Dave Grohl was just running across the stage, singing, playing the guitar. They, they are music fit. They are music fit, and um, yeah, there's a lot of stop starts in the NFL. Yeah, there is. It's interesting, actually, just out out of curiosity, because I've got a band, right? Is he? And you know, we're mm. not 
playing to that level uh, in all the big stadiums like that. But I've got a belt that I wear around my chest and gives you your heart yeah. rate, tells you how many calories you burnt during workouts. I wear it when I go boxing or I go to the gym, so I can keep an eye on that. Mm. And I reckon I burn on average somewhere between six and eight hundred calories per workout, depending on what I'm doing. Mm. I wore it mm. to band practice the other day, just to see. And we did it. We were rehearsing a forty-minute set to play this gig that we played, yeah. and I did over a thousand calories. Seriously? Yeah. Well, there you go. There's evidence in a nutshell that musicians work harder than sportsmen. There you go. No, they probably party harder in between as well, but that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> well, I don't know. That could be debated right now. <laughs> well, true, true, especially if what Goose has said on the text machine is true about NRL players. But there you go. We'll get more to that a little bit later on. We are 28 away from 8 o'clock. Here's Araha with news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. Get the Kenoth feeling with Kenard's higher Time for some sports news headlines for you. And... Uh, plenty happening in the world of sport at the moment. China's teen sensation Pan Zhanlei has set the men's 100 metres freestyle world record at the Swimming World Champs in Doha with a stunning lead-off swim in the 4x100 metre relay to power his nation to the title. The 19-year-old clocked in 46.8 seconds, eclipsing the previous mark of 46.86 set by Romania's David Popovici as the opening day of the event finished with a bang. That is uh, that is quick, man. That is real quick, is he? So what was that in again, sorry, mate? The 100-metre freestyle. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is lightning. That is absolutely lightning. And, and I know you're probably going to talk about it, but Erica Fairweather as well. Yeah, yeah gold. She, she she won gold the other day, didn't she? She's doing awesome. Yeah, yeah, really well, really well. So yeah, those swim champs are going off at the moment. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky is in action mm. this weekend in the UFC. He's warned Ilya Tupuria his rise to prominence has only come because, as a champion, he famously chased him for a confrontation after his most, most recent title win, declaring the UFC didn't want you to do that. Australia's UFC featherweight champion has also questioned the training commitment of his uh, rival, accused the challenger of surrounding himself with yes-men and suggesting he buys Instagram followers. Volkanovski mm. even warned Sunday's title challenger he will have to film sequels to his proposed upcoming documentary, Road to the Belt, because he ain't getting it this time. Alexander the Great Volkanovsky is back, and it was interesting to hear his um, lead up to the Makahev kind of fight. When he took it late, he was drinking every day. It wasn't preparing the well, and the result, results showed. So after a good training um, camp under his belt, I'm pretty sure he's going to go out and dominate. But I'm really looking forward to the other card, and that's Costa up against Whitaker. Well, Costa is a loud mouth. He's someone that's had his own problems within his camp. He's a big man, and this is Whitaker's redemption. You'd have to say, if Whitaker loses this, where does Whitaker go next? That's a huge fight, yeah, that the, card. The biggest surprise for me is that Paulo Costa hasn't pulled out yet. Mm, yeah. He's got a history <laughs> of doing that. Where's his head at mentally? Like, Yeah, it's just he's kind of fallen by the wayside, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I mean, because he looked like a real uh, prospect. He, he he looked like a real prospect when he was coming through, but he, I think, mm. uh, much like Volkanovski's talking about Tapuria, he, he maybe he's believed his own hype a bit too much, yep. and uh, yep. it's got to his head. Uh, uh, you'll be pleased to know this: is he Super Rugby Pacific has moved to stop kicking duels like the ones we saw between Scotland and France in the weekend Six Nations. In a trial approved by World Rugby, the competition organisers have closed the loophole 
Two clauses in rugby's current offside laws state that players can be put onside by a kick receiver who runs back five metres or passes the ball, even if they're ahead of the kicker. Super Rugby Pacific officials have effectively thrown those clauses in the bin. The change should mm. create more room for counter-attackers as the defending team will all be offside until put back onside by the kicker or the kick chasers. Good move? Perfect. That's what I spoke about yesterday. Like mm. When someone kicks the ball down, you're a fullback, you're an outside, that's your prime opportunity to attack some some you know some defenders that particularly you get excited about attacking. When I say that, some loose forwards, some forwards, some props. Um, you know, that's that unstructured play. And at the moment, with the rules over in the north, they're not able to do so because those players can stay there. They don't have to move backwards. So when you're having to recede and go backwards, it's difficult. So I love it. It's creating a, an entertaining game. And this will go a long way to see ball and play. Ball and play... When you're not kicking is what we want to do and what we want to see. So I love it. Love it, indeed. From big jobs to even bigger jobs, get the Keno feeling with Kennards higher. Those are your sports news headlines. We are 22 away from eight. When we come back, we're talking to a BMX world champion. Last weekend, there was a BMX World Cup event in New Zealand in Rotorua for the first time ever, and winning the men's under-23s gold medal was Bennett Grenoff. He joins us now from the airport because he's about to fly to Brisbane. Uh, morning, Bennett. How are you doing? Hey, good, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good, and congratulations on that gold medal win last weekend. What did that mean to you? Oh, thanks so much. Um, yeah, it's pretty special to have a home race to kick off the season, and uh, to end up on top of the box is something pretty special. So um, it's pretty tough racing all weekend, challenging track, um, challenging competition. So um, to be on top is something pretty special in front of the home crowd. So, yeah, it's super stoked. Mate, how do you navigate, Bennett, when you're having to get one over your younger brother, Jack? Yeah, for sure. It's always yeah, a bit of sibling rivalry going on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, a few bragging rights in the house on Saturday evening, so I had to <laughs> try and switch that around on Sunday. But no, I mean, just kind of focus on what I what I could control and um, following my processes and trying to execute those um, as well as I could was kind of my game plan for the weekend, and I feel like I managed to do that pretty well on Sunday. So no, I'm, I'm stoked. And what does this win um, do for you, and what does it set up for the future? What what kind of belief has it given yourself? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, like it's. Uh, I had a pretty tough season last year with a few injuries and things, and um, I've, yeah, I've kind of known the speed speed was there, but um, just had had to tie a few loose ends together to uh, put it all together. And doing that in the weekend definitely brings a bit of confidence and kind of belief that I I know I can do it now. So um, yeah, no, it's yeah pretty exciting and kind of looking uh, hoping to carry that momentum forward for the rest of the season. So off to Brisbane today for Oceania chances weekend and then uh, rounds three and four of the World Cup series the following weekend. So it uh, should be a good few weeks coming up. Are you going to be on the same track over both weekends, mate? Is, is it going to be able to, you know, so you, when you hit World Cup, you'll be uh, pretty au fait with that track? Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, same, same track both weekends at the uh, Sleeman Sports Complex in Brisbane, um, which should be good. Um, yeah, so it looks like a super technical track, so... Um, we get to get a few sessions and a, and a race day on it um, before the World Cup and um, next weekend. So uh, definitely be a bit of an advantage having a bit of time on the track beforehand. We spoke to young Megan Williams la, uh, last week about the importance of gate speed. Well, your gate speed was, was so fast over the weekend. What was the keys to getting out that quickly? 
Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, yeah, I've been working on a lot recently. Just um, I guess making sure the timing's right, staying as focused as I can on the on the lights, and uh, just giving everything I've got um, as soon as they go. So um, I guess yeah, just one of the things you develop over time, and um, a lot of hours kind of put into uh, practicing at start, and um, I guess that kind of paid off. Um, being able to lead the race from from the get go, um, yeah, make, makes it really easy around the track, not having to fight your way through the pack or anything. So no, I'm, yeah, glad glad it paid off, which is which is good. Yeah, um, that, I mean, that must have been, you know, as he touched on it with racing Jack and getting out of the gate ahead of him, your brother. I know that he he passed you in the air off the berm jump on day one. When things like that happen, do you notice who it is, or is it just another bloke on a bike? Uh, for sure. Like um, while it's happening, it's um, you kind of just freak out a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, it um, catches you by surprise sometimes. Yeah, I made a little bit of a mistake out of the first corner and didn't take the best line down the second straight and left the door open for him to ride past, which is good. Got on for taking that opportunity, which was great. Um, so um, yeah, I guess kind of kind of worked it out after the second corner. I was like, oh man. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's good. Like, um, it's good to have that sibling rivalry, and pretty lucky to have him to, as a training partner, and also to race against each other. I think it's something pretty special. So, um, no, like, yeah, for sure, it's it's, um, it's good to have him around. Mate, don't lie, you just gave him a little wink as you went past him and just gave him a little fist bump. Said, "Stay with me, young fella." And speaking of family, yeah. your sister Lily has been talked about as the next Sarah Walker. She broke her wrist recently, so couldn't compete. How do you think she would have done and having seen the level of competition? Yeah, for sure. Like, she's going awesome at, at the moment. Yeah, so she was pretty devastated around, around her injury and things, but um, she's, she's pretty tough, so she'll come back pretty strong. But no, she's going, going really really fast at the moment. Confidence is, is high, which is, which is good for her. So hopefully she'll come back in the second half of the season and, and smash it, which, which would be cool. We'll uh, see. Yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, hopefully she can get uh, fit and firing soon because, uh, uh, you know, uh, be, we need another Sarah Walker. be good. Um, now, you, you won the under-23 <laughs> gold, obviously, at the BMX World Cup. So what does that mean for you? I mean, obviously not immediately, but next stage of your career. When do you step up to the elites? Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking to finish this season in the U23 category. Um, I looked at potentially moving up this season, but I felt I had a little bit more to give in that class um, before I moved up into the elite category. So um, carrying through to um, world champs in, in May in the U23 category and then we'll reassess after that um, to see um, where we're at. But um, yeah, for now I'm pretty happy in that class and feel like um, kind of able, able to get some good results in there. So I'm happy to just keep chipping away at that for the first half of the year and then we'll reassess kind of after world champs. We've got a part of our show we call Learnings, and I'm going to learn a little bit here, so please uh, enlighten me. Um, the track conditions over in Brisbane, how much different will they be? And is there a change in distance and the kind of makeup with jump start, like the turns? Like how much different will it be to Rotorua? Yeah, for sure. So the track tracks change a lot. Um, between. That's, I think the cool thing about BMX is no two tracks are the same, so... Um, yeah, the track in Brisbane's a little bit shorter, still a reasonably long track similar to Rotorua, um, which is which is good for good for us Kiwis. Um, but yeah, slight, slightly uh, different style of track, so 
more jumps slightly closer together, whereas the Rotorua track is a bit more wide open, um, carry a little bit more speed through. Um, so I think Frizzle uh, will bring a few different challenges with different style corners and um, different style jumps um, around the track. But in terms of start hill and things, are all, all the same same size. So that should feel, yeah. feel reasonably similar. But um, yeah, definitely be good to get some time on the track to get used to the different jumps and uh, corners. How, how physical is the sport? At this level, I mean, and I'm not talking. Obviously, we know that you know riding like the clappers, like you do, takes it out of you. But in terms of actually uh, physical contact with other other races, how much of that happens, and how much is allowed? Can you give them a kick? Yeah, for sure. So um, there is a reasonable amount, um, especially kind of down the first straight and through the first corner. Um, we have eight riders on track, um, especially when it gets to the um, finals end of the day, it gets gets pretty tight. So um, yeah, like it's there's quite a lot of room for um, contact and you're allowed to push each other around around a bit so um, yeah it's, it's yeah reasonably physical sport in, in that sense um, yeah especially especially when it comes to finals time everyone's just so close together um, the racing's so tight just uh, finally Bennett um, the, uh, the the elites uh, Ricky Beerman is New Zealand's number one elite rider when you step up next season, how far away from him do you think you are? Because I know he's been going pretty well in the US circuit. Don't be modest. Oh, for sure. Um, no, I think, yeah, Rico's going incredibly well at the moment and has been for the last few years. So uh, we raced each other a lot growing up. Um, so, yeah, I'm um, not, not got sure at the moment. Uh, oh, I don't want, to, don't want to say yes or no, to be fair. <laughs> but, you got um, him. Such, 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 an unpredictable, such an unpredictable sport. But, um no, he's going really well at the moment. It's cool to see him killing it in the in the elite class over the weekend as well. So, um, big congrats to him on his results on the weekend. It was awesome, and it's pretty cool for BMX in New Zealand, I think. No, good stuff, Bennett. Hey, listen, man, appreciate your time. Uh, safe travels over to Brizzy, and good luck over the next couple of weekends for the Oceanias in the next stage of the World Cup, eh? Yeah, cheers, Amazing. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. Anytime, brother. Anytime. Uh, stay in touch. All right, there you go. Bennett Grenoff with us uh, up and coming. Humble. Yeah, mate, very much so. Nice kid, nice kid, nice kid. Uh, he's hung up the phone. Yeah, he and has. he's gone, mate, I'm way better than Rico. <laughs> <laughs> I should have just said it. I should have just said it. Why did I be humble? Come on, <laughs> bruh. Get amongst, get amongst. It's Trading's Hour here with Night and Day. Start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50. It's your local night and day. Keep your texts coming through double eight, double three. We're seven away from eight. Couple of minutes away from eight o'clock, it is Trady's Hour with Night and Day. Start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just four dollars fifty at your local night and day. And Josh on the West Coast has tested through Super Bowl. Always a great spectacle. Uh, but what did you guys make of Travis Kelsey pushing and yelling at his coach? You'd never see that in rugby. We did talk about that at the beginning mm. of the show, uh, Izzy. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting one from Josh, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I thought it looked quite. He was quite bratty. Yeah, like mm. I was watching his. Um, Body language throughout that, and and some of the plays where you got to act like you're getting the ball, he would kind of lost interest. Um, so when you're not getting anything, you feel like you're a non-existent in that game. And I guess when you're playing the biggest game, he was getting frustrated. But you know, it's all part of the plan. You know, you're setting up the Forty ers because he came alive in that second half. So he got ninety odd yards, nine receptions, didn't get a touchdown, but he still had an impact. Um, so it wasn't a good, good look for him and the in the NFL. And Andy Reid took it like a champ, 
caught him off guard with with bounce. But yeah, you just wouldn't see that over here. You'd you'd get put in your place pretty quick. You would do. You would do, mate. Uh, but thanks for your text, Josh. Keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. He did. He he did river. Izzy's same game multi either, so he's he's not being yeah. forgiven uh, by Izzy either. Coming it's up in the next hour, <laughs> not in your good books at all. Coming up in the next hour, uh, the Harry Javelin. Grant Elliott's going to talk to us about the test that starts today uh, between New Zealand and South Africa, the second test as well. And we've got Pierre Anders Graberg as well for Love Racing and Paul Mawadi from the TAB. All of that coming your way right now, though. Here is Araha with news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. Good morning, welcome into Breakfast on SENZ with Izzy and Ricardo. Coming up this hour, we are going to be talking to Paulie Mawati from the TAB. We have a Love Racing update too with a Swedish jockey living on these shores now, Pierre Anders Graberg. He is going to join us before nine right now, though. The man they call the hairy javelin, Grant Elliott, part mm. of our test calling team here on SENZ. Good morning, Grant. How are you doing? Good, fellas. Gee, it's been a while since I've been on the... Uh... The Izzy and Baz show is at the Izzy and Rick show. Oh, you're, you're too busy, mate. You're too busy just oh. um, <laughs> pouncing around New Zealand and doing what you're doing, mate. You're looking sharp. You should be still playing the jab, mate. Uh, how have you been? How have you found the, the commentary and, and everything in this test series? We dominated them in the first test. Yeah, oh, it's been uh, it's been awesome traveling around, like watching the domestic cricketers, obviously in the Super mm. Smash. I think I was the I was the Super Smash specialist. I just traveled around all year doing that, and then um, nice to get the international games now. And you know, yes, this is a poor South African team that they brought to the shores, but they had no choice really. And I don't think mm. a lot of the public that I've spoken to don't actually know why they go. Oh, why did South Africa send such a poor team? And I guess the people that are listening, um, you know, they have a SAT20 or a T20 competition in South Africa, which is sort of run by a couple of the IPL franchises. And um, they picked up a lot of players or all the good players in South Africa. And uh, that meant that they were left with basically, um, you know, whoever didn't make that SAT20 um, uh, tournament was, uh, was available for test selection. And uh, the coach, coach even selected someone who was playing in Miami with me in the, mm. from the Masters League. So, um, mm. you know, they put a team together and they toiled away South Africa in the first test. But, yeah, I, whether they'll be able to do it for long periods of time, I just I don't have much faith in them. But it's been great to watch our players stand up, like Ruchin Ravindra, double hundred, and Ken Williamson going back to back. Um, I think like we were just so professional in the first test. And the only hope South Africa have really got in this test is if they win the toss and maybe bowl first. I heard there's 19 mils of, um, of grass on this Hamilton pitch. So it might be a little bit spicy. Um, and, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we cope with that because they bowled well. They did bowl well in the first test. Uh, for the first day, and then after that, we just dominated them. So, is that an easy decision to select Willow Rourke or Neil Wagner? Where would you go if you were Gary Stead and Kane Williamson, Jeff? Gee, I love seeing the anger of Wagner um, <laughs> at the creek. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I th- I feel like they're going to go Willow Rourke. I do feel like it's a good introduction to Test cricket, and it's it's a shame for Neil Wagner. I mean, we've always gone four seamers, you know. Mm. Um, so, 
Yeah. I, Is there a chance for them both to play with the pitch on offer? Yeah. Maybe Santner out. I tell you what, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, discount that because, like, when you look at um, you know this ground for spinners. So since 2013, um, spinners' returns have been you know 65.92 runs at a strike rate of 114. Ooh, where wow. teamers have averaged 30.43 with a strike rate of 57. So mm. only. You know, 11% of the wickets um, from memory, so it's about 26 wickets, have fallen to spin in the last eight tests. And Sanyal Nareen took six for 91. So, like, would you play a spinner? I don't don't think. Hopefully we've prepared a green one that's for seam. And, yeah, Mm. maybe we will see both of them. I'd love to see um, Neil Wagner back at the crease. He's just like, he's the life and soul of the team, I think. He's like the heartbeat. And he just, you know, never says die. Is there any thought that maybe Willow Rourke actually comes in for Kyle Jamison? Because there was some talk about managing his minutes, particularly after the injuries he's had ahead of the Australian series. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, there, there was a little bit of talk about that. But if you play the four seamers, then maybe Jamison could play, you know, not be over bold. Um, but it's just how he scrubbed up, and I think that's that's a good point, Ricardo. They might just put in Will, Will O'Rourke for Jameson, keep the same, um, and just a direct swap. Um, as I said, spin, you know, it does play a massive part, spin, in terms of taking time off at the crease for bowlers, because that's what South Africa didn't have. They eventually bowled their captain, Neil Brunt, who you know gave them a bit of a break because you can just operate Satna from one end and then the seamers from the other, so it does give them a little break and then you can start striking with them and four over spells. So we might might see that we might see Jameson be arrested and Willow will come in. Um, you know if if he does get selected today, he'll be the eighth British-born player to debut in Test for New Zealand. Um, so, yeah, it's an exciting... And he is an exciting player. I don't know if you've seen him live. Like, it's one thing watching him on TV, but I watched him live at Seddon Park in a Super Smash game here. Jeez, he was getting the ball through. Like, you know, the keeper's reverse cupping it. It's hitting the gloves hard. Um, and whenever I watch bowlers like that, I'm just glad I'm not out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, yeah, well, today might be the day for young Willow Rock. We'll have to wait and see. Is it How much of a, of a risk is it? When you leave out a, a, a spin bowler like Mitchell Santner, who had a who had a day out at the Bay Oval with the pitch conditions, how they broke up, he became a major factor. Could that be the same with the Hamilton Oval? Um, it does turn here, but you you listen to those stats on spin, yeah. and you've got to listen to those stats and just go, you know, why would we? I think you just go for seen as heavy, but we are a team that reward players for playing well. So, yeah. you know, selectors, Satna did, he bowled so well. That's the best I've ever seen him bowl in a test match because he was beating the outside edge as well. So he normally mm. just slides the ball on. But, you know, in this test, he was actually turning it past the outside edge and, you know, he offers something with the bat. Um, it's it's not much of a risk, I'd say, in New Zealand conditions. You just have to try and work out, and that's what the South Africans were saying in their press conference. They're trying to work out who the bowler is that can actually bowl lots of overs so that they can actually take pressure off the seamers because they just they didn't have a well-balanced team. So the seamers were just broken. Um, they were just bowling too many overs. Because ideally, Izzy, you want to be around that 20-over mark, 
not over mm. 25 overs as a seamer at the end of the day's play. Mm, yeah, it's um, it's a hell of a workload uh, when you're trying to bowl that pace as well, Grant. Uh, what about Will Young then? Because uh, I think Tim Southey confirmed it yesterday. He is going to replace Daryl Mitchell in the middle order. We know Will Young is more of an opener, but obviously you don't want to uh, mess with the opening partnership they've got going. How much of a uh, a change of mindset is that for Will Young to come in the middle order versus opening? Yeah, I... I actually thought Will Young was unlucky in the last test to not play. Um, and I'll say that because he probably deserved to play more than Rachin Ravindra did uh, in a way, you know, with his numbers and being in the team and what, what he had done. Um, but, you know, he gets an opportunity now. And obviously we're lucky that Rachin did play. He wouldn't have had that double hundred. So he showed his class. But w- Will Young has been exceptional in, you know, the, the one-day formats and test format. So... His mindset, I think he's been thrown around the team so much from opener to number three and even in the you know one-day games, he's just been thrown around the order. So wherever he bats, I don't think it matters for him. He sort of probably has known that he's a utility player and that if a batter gets injured, then he's in. So I think that he'll just take the opportunity. He's a class player. He plays well off the back foot and front foot. I actually really love watching him. I think he's technically so sound. Um, and he's just—he's a great guy as well. Um, he deserves the opportunity, and yeah, hopefully he can grab it and um, and just dominate up there because he he deserves to do well. Yeah, we're lucky with the luxury of of fine batters that we have to be able to come in and fill a void of um, Daryl Mitchell. A hell of a loss for the Kiwis. Um, on Devin Conway, how, how far off is? Is he? He's probably obviously missed out the last couple of months. I think his average has gone from fifty-four to to forty-three. Is he far? Is he far away from getting back to where we've seen him in the past? Yeah, you know, form uh, is a tough one. Is he? Mm. I mean, you know, like you talk about form. Sometimes you don't believe it. It's just all mental, uh, the mm. form side of things. But yeah, he's just he's going through a bit of a rough patch and. You know, sometimes when you're at the crease, you hit one shot. It can be a cover drive or a cut shot or something, and suddenly you feel away, and you you just feel mm. like you've got rhythm again. So he's a he's a quality player in all three formats, and you know uh, what, what's the expression? Class is permanent, form is temporary. So um, you know, hopefully this will be his test. He just he has struggled a little bit, and um, you want to see him back back in form. But we're just so fortunate that we've got great players around him anyway. So. He's someone that you just keep giving opportunities to uh, because of the, you know, the class and history that he's shown with the team. Um, he's, he sort of looked like he was kind of getting there, um, mm-hmm. you know, just before these test matches. Uh, but, you know, I tell you what, Bangladesh was, that, that was a tough tour for a lot of players. <laughs> and uh, I, I, when I was commentating there, I looked at it and I was like, gee, I was told I couldn't play turn, uh, spin when I went to Bangladesh, but I don't think anyone can, to be fair, on those pitches. <laughs> uh, that, that was a tough tour for the boys. And remember, they'd been touring for four months. So, yeah, yeah. maybe just a bit of a freshen up. He's at home now. So let's hope that this is his test as well, uh, along with Will Young. Yeah, I mean, with that that 29 he got in the second innings at Bay Oval, and I mean, not so much the runs, but the amount of balls he faced, what was it, about 80, I think, somewhere around there, uh, will have done him uh, good. Grant, are you you're confident that he'll be ready to face the Aussies and maybe closer to where we need him to be? Yeah, well, he needs to. I mean, this test now is, is where he needs to almost have his little practice net for the Aussies because 
depending on what we're going to produce there wickets-wise, um, you know, as a player, you're going to have to be on top of your game. Sold out from Wellington. It's, I, think the, I think the fans are looking forward to getting the Aussies here more than the players. Like, it's just going to be so awesome watching Test cricket again against that team. And, um, you know, I feel that, you know, if we've got Conway firing as well, just all of our batters, and Mitchell's fit, he's obviously, um, you know, been left out of this one just for fitness. So if he's fit, I think that we'll have a full squad team, and that's why it probably makes sense to rest Jameson as well because we get him ready for the Aussies. Talk to us about Kane Williamson, mate. Like, 31 test centuries now, sits alone atop of the throne in terms of Kiwi batsman, double 100 in that test series. And you got to remember, this is a guy that had a major knee injury, so he's probably operating at 70%. Oh, what an absolute legend. He just keeps churning them out. And I had the, <laughs> uh, I had the tough task of interviewing him because the thing is, when you interview Kane, You've got to try and get him to talk about himself, which is impossible. It, yeah. You just can't. Like, you'll be like, Kane, you've scored, you know, back-to-back uh, hundreds. Uh, how do you, you know, amazing. No, you know, one of four players to have done it. Yep, yeah, no, I couldn't have done it without the teammates. So <laughs> we, just want to, we want to find out what's going on in his head. But, yeah. you know, he's, he's got six centuries in his last six test matches. Now, the only people that have achieved that is Don Bradman, Clyde Walcott, Gary Sobers, Sunil Gavaskar, Aravinda De Silva, wow. Ricky Ponting, Muhammad Yusuf, David Warner, and now Kane Williamson. So It's a hell of a list. <laughs> yeah, in his last 11 innings, he's uh, averaging, you know, just uh, close to 84. So he's 83.9. <laughs> um, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. So Ham- in Hamilton, he actually averages 88.42. Um, with, with his test, 10 tests that he's played at this ground, he's got 500s and 550s across 17 innings. So, you know, he's just, like, he is incredible. I think it probably shows you the mentality that you have to have a test level, which is just consistent mm. and calm. Mm. And that's what he's got. Like, you'll never know if you see Kane, you won't know if he scored naught or 100. He's just the same person. And that's kind of the attitude you have to have with cricket because you're going to fail more times than you succeed. So he's, he's incredible. You know what I'm hearing, is he? I'm just hearing oh. crap out his ears. Grant Elliott, what a professional. What a geek. <laughs> just studying. <laughs> just, you know, doing the studies, boys. And I, I do want it's to talk great. about bowling overs, though. You guys spoke about, you know, we said, it's 25 overs is tough in a day. Well, I saw Izzy do two in the black clash, and he was cooked. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, look, uh, I was uh, well unfit uh, back in those days, Grunter. So we won't be going there. But my knee's good, and I spoke to uh, Ricardo earlier. I had a run around, had a trot around yesterday, and the knee's fine. So, look, I know we got embarrassed at the black clash this year, and... Being a, being a stalwart of that Black Clash rugby team, I was pretty uh, upset. So if, uh, I know I came out and retired last year. I might have to make a comeback because if anyone can make a comeback, um, Grant Allen and Izzy Dad can. So I'm looking forward to getting back out there, my friend. Hey, uh, how's it all going to play out today? Are we going to dominate like we did at the Bay Oval? Yeah, watch the toss. I think we need to watch mm. this toss. Uh, I, I messaged uh, KJ being the consummate professional that I am last night, the, the groundsman, 
And I said to him, What's the, what, what does the pitch look like? He said, it's Padamahoe clay, 16 millimeters of grass. Bounce mm. should be good. It won't spin, but it'll bounce for them. And he said, it might reverse because there's a couple of old pitches on the block. So, uh. yeah, uh, uh, there's a little bit of intel. Mm. So 16 mils of grass. Last time I was in Hamilton uh, for a test match, there was more grass on the pitch than there was on the outfield. The outfield was 12 <laughs> mils and the pitch was 14 or 16 or something. So it's just, yeah, which means that there'll be pace, there'll be bounce, just, um, yeah, and a little bit of seam movement early on. Mm. Even Jav with his googlies will get a bit of movement off the seam on that pitch, mate. So uh, no, the toss is important, and you're going to hopefully yeah. see them, the Black Caps win the toss, put them out there, or skittle them. This could be over in three days, could it? Yeah, but I mean, in saying that, you know, maybe we want to have a bat. I don't know. This team is pretty confident at the moment. Only four captains ever have uh, won the toss and battered in New Zealand. And one of them was Dean Elgar at Christchurch. And Mark Richardson walked out and went, he's crazy. He's lost the plot. South Africa ended up winning that test. So, yeah, strange things can happen. But I think that uh, I would want to bowl. If there's a lot of grass on the pitch, I'd want to bowl. I'd want to get first blood with South Africa and just knock them over. Good stuff, Grunner. Thanks very much for coming on this morning, mate. I know you've got a big day of chatting ahead of you, uh, so we I'll appreciate you what, your time. But Grant, you are, you're well prepped. You, are, you have just put your routine in today. You've covered off every stat, and I'm going to go into and listen today, and I'm going to be like, I heard that this morning. You don't need to go listen to Grant Elliott today on, on, on the live cans. Just listen to this show. Listen to our podcast. You get all the stats. Thank you, Grunter. No worries. I just talk about ice creams and food anyway when I commentate. <laughs> Awesome, oh, work, mate. Don't 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 take Smithy's role. Don't take Smithy's role. <laughs> Good stuff, Grant. Don't Go well, mate. Great call. Don't get him started. <laughs> <laughs> How's your chance, Grunter? There you go. Uh, you, can, you can catch Grant and the rest of the call team from uh, from 10 right here on SENZ. We've got full test coverage from Hamilton. Uh, Grant Elliott, part of that call team, alongside Daniel McCarty, Ian Smith, and the rest as well. You're listening to SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. 8.27 here on <laughs> Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SCN. <laughs> Sorry, I was just watching something on my phone and I was just like, oh, I've got a couple of minutes here. I've got a couple of minutes here. I had a couple of texts through on double eight double three. Um, a green set in park. I like a Black Caps team of Young, Latham, Conway, Kane, Ratchin, Phillips, Blundell, Jamison, Hendry, Southey and O'Rourke. Um <laughs> I'm not sure what you think about that because that's uh, that that's certainly making a few changes. What are, what does the cricket desk think of this? Hello, cricket desk. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I don't mind it. Um, I I think I think realistically, yeah, you take you take Santner out. I mm. think for the four seamers. Um, yeah, I think I think Ravindra and Phillips cover the uh, spin both ways, yeah. and obviously more batting cover. Well, I was going to say that did something that I did think about is Phillips has batted a lot higher in the order for Auckland, and he's batted higher in the order and in, in other forms of the game. Were you surprised that they didn't just put Phillips in Mitchell's role? Um, yes, and yeah, obviously, yeah, Glenn Phillips more than capable batter. He could. That um, yeah, I'd say I'd say as high as four. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just the fact that you know you have 
Latham, Conway, Young, Kane, Rotchen. Like, they're not going to drop any of them down the order. Um, I am slightly surprised. I'd put Blunt, uh, Phillips in at six ahead of Blundell mm-hmm. at seven. That would be my only change. Um, but, yeah, Phillips is slightly more of a middle-order player. They're not going to drop any of the higher batters down the order, as I said. So, yeah, I'm not too surprised that he's batting there. But in a, in a team with less batting cover, such as Auckland, he obviously bats a lot higher. Yeah, he does. Um, there's also a text through from Chris saying, I've seen no one looking at Blundell. He's on an awful run of scores in the last year. I mean, I get what What are our options if, if they if they don't go with Blundell? Or are they trying to play him into form ahead of Australia? Give Latham. Give yeah, Latham. yeah that, that, that's your only option. I, I think they are trying to play him into form ahead of, ahead of Australia. And, um, you know, he... He um he is a quality quality batsman. We've seen that before. Um yeah, the the only option if you're gonna take Blunder out, you give Latham the gloves. Um your next option would then be to give Conway the gloves. We've seen him keep in T twenties. Um but yeah, then you'd probably, especially in a test match, look at bringing one of them down the order. Then you could open with, say, Conway and Young have Latham down the order, but I doubt they. You know, they they tend to go with the same sort of lineup. I doubt they'd be making those sort of big changes. You'd hate to be a spin bowler in New Zealand conditions. Like you think Mitchell Santner had the the Test match of his career, a very dominant Test match where he was able to get turn and some adjustment from the seam uh, from the wicket, and then he's in potentially going to miss out playing because we need four seamers. Why aren't we able to emulate when Shane Warne, Grick, Glenn McGrath, Brett Lee and, and so on were able to hack, play together in Australian conditions? Robbie, is am I well off the mark there? Oh, yeah, not not really. I, I think, um, I mean, we saw that it wasn't in New Zealand conditions, but um, AJ's Patel took 10 in and yeah. got dropped. Um, so it's, it's just, it's just kind of... Well, the, Aussie's drier, right? So the pitches tend to dry out faster. Is that, yeah. is, is that what is that the thinking? So they tend to, even if they green at day one, they tend to start to turning into day three, beginning of day four. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, that that's part of it as well. Um, but but yeah, I I think um, re- realistically, you're you're going to a pitch that is more of a more of a green seamer and um, le- less likely to favour spin than. You know, unfortunately, we can't play as many spinners as we did in the in the first test. One has to miss out. Is there a danger that oh, I don't know if danger is the right word, but I guess if you're looking at it from, we know that Gary Stead, like his surname, very steady, um, that Glenn Phillips is the man that misses out, and they keep Santa at seven. Yeah, um, it would it wouldn't overly surprise me. I think yeah, the only the only point of difference is Ravindra and Phillips spin the ball different ways. Mm. So that would that's the only thing that would make me pick uh Phillips ahead of Santa. Also, um you back Phillips with the bat over Santa as well. Yeah, true. All right, good stuff, cricket desk. Well done. And thanks, thanks mate. Thank, thank, thanks for covering my backside. Uh here's Araha with news for Kubota. Uh take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. Check out the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely. RAT Paul Mawadi from TAB. I've got to ask you, mate, the uh, game finishing, the Super Bowl finishing in a tie, we're in a draw at full time. How much money did that save the TAB? Because I know there was a big multi here that finished on San Francisco halftime, Kansas City full time. It was about 1100 bucks, and it disappeared because of the, uh, the, the draw at full time. Well, there are a few punters who actually took the boosted odds on overtime 
uh, actually occurring uh, for in the Super Bowl, and that was boosted out to $11. So those punters who jumped on uh, that boosted odds market on their bean overtime, and I think it's only the second time in a Super Bowl uh, that there's been overtime, uh, those who took the $11 boosted, um, they're looking all right. Uh, but as you say, yeah, it was a... It was a crazy game, uh, to be fair, and there was all sorts. There, there was more drama off the pitch, I think, than than on it at times. With Travis Kelsey um, having a, a heated discussion, shall we say, with Coach Andy Reid, um, with Taylor Swift and Blake Lively and her crew in the stands. Almost every third or fourth television shot was of uh, Taylor Swift. So, yeah, there was plenty going on off the field as opposed to on the field. But on the field, in the end, Patrick Mahomes, when you need someone to turn it up, when you need someone to deliver, he's the man because he's what? He's won three Super Bowls in the last five years. Um, Could have been four, uh, but for Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, yeah, it's a a wonderful dynasty that the Kansas City Chiefs have have got there. Um, And uh, it's very hard to see them not continuing on their ways as long as Patrick Mahomes is there. He'll probably need another big target uh, if Travis Kelsey decides to retire and become Mr. Taylor Swift. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a, it was very, very popular, the Super Bowl. Um, I've got to say, I was a wee bit disappointed with the halftime show. Oh, You're not the only one, mate. Cut it out, mate. Cut it out. I thought he was outstanding. Don't get me started. And thank you. Paul Imwari for for relieving uh, you know the pressure that I was under with my multi. I had the same game multi, and I was messaging Paul Imwari after after full time and saying, "Is my multi still alive?" Well, it was still alive, and I still missed out and got my bonus bet, mate. So, if you missed out like myself and you got three out of the four, you still got a chance to have a wee dabble, mate. MVP, the mini pick, Paddy Mahomes to take it out, and the Kansas City Chiefs—they were underdogs. I think they were paying two dollars. Yeah, they're around two dollars and three cents just before kickoff. The Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. That didn't turn punters away though. Um, they, we uh, were around. I think there was around sixty-five to seventy percent of turnover was on the Kansas City Chiefs prior to kickoff in the Super Bowl yesterday. So plenty of punters disagreeing uh, with the bookies and mm. saying that two dollars and three was just too attractive uh, to pass up. Uh, we also had a boosted market on Patrick Mahomes being the MVP. Oh, I don't know why we did that. Crikey. Uh, <laughs> and punters jumped on that one as well. So it, it was a pretty good um, day overall for punters. There was plenty of money to be made. The, the one thing I think that saved us was the low-scoring uh, aspect of the match uh, mm-hmm. and a number of players going under their expected receiving odds or rushing, uh, uh, receiving yards uh, or rushing yards. One player that did stand up was uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey, who uh, he, I think the boys had a power play on him to um, have, be the top, I think to to be the top rush, uh, uh, to achieve the top rush yards and the top receiving yards. And I think he only just missed, the receiving yards by about 12 or 13 yards. So uh, he wasn't that far away. But, yeah, he was very, very good for the San Francisco. I thought Brock Purdy um, played a very good game as well, um, him being the last pick in the 2022 NFL draft. He's come a long way. Uh, and 
I'm sure that we'll see him in another Super Bowl. But yeah, in the end, Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, just a wee bit too good. Well, the day that stops a nation, well, NBA had to take a little uh, backward step there for today. But there's 10 games today, mate. What else can we lick our lips over? Yeah, as you say, plenty of action, uh, NBA side. And yes, they do take a wee bit of a... uh, uh, a sort of a, a, a background scene when the Super Bowl's on and all of their games finish early, but there's plenty of games to uh, jump into today. The boys have also got a number of power plays out for NBA Tuesday. I'm just looking at the one right now. Trey Young, uh, Doncic and Steph Curry all can make four or more threes. It's been boosted from three ninety nine out to $5.00. That has been very, very popular with punters today. Trey Young, Doncic, and Steph Curry all to make four or more threes each. Boosted from three ninety nine out to five. That has been picked up by punters, and they are running with it. I can tell you we've also got a bonus back promotion uh, on the first two races at the Palmerston North Greyhounds, back to second and third. Uh, just check out all the T's and C's at the website. And, of course, the first test uh, between the uh, second mm-hmm. test, sorry, between the Black Caps and South Africa uh, starts later on this morning. Uh, we've got a bonus back promotion on the uh, team top run scorer markets there. Uh, check that out. Boys have also got Can- uh, Kane Will- Kanye Williamson. Kane Williamson to be the uh, top scorer for New Zealand in the first innings. Boosted from 360 out to four. He's just a man who just cannot uh, miss a cricket ball at the moment. He is in the form of his life. And, well, over 30, well, 30 test centuries now. Um, 31, yeah. It's just, 31, it, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And I heard you talking a wee bit of golf earlier today. Uh, and, of course, the New Zealand Open, only a few weeks away now. I see um, outside of the professionals, uh, there are a number of pro-am ambassador players and I see there's one Israel Dag who is uh, one of these ambassadors. And I, I'm just looking at the little synopsis that they've written up for Israel Dag. World Cup winning All Black Izzy Dag loves the game of golf. He is an I Love Golf ambassador. He's also pretty handy on the end of a cricket bat, one to watch in the field. Wow. Wow. <laughs> did you write that? <laughs> Can you? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I did not have any input in that. But, yeah, I'm one to watch for sure. Yeah. Can you have a bet on me? <laughs> Uh, I don't think <laughs> I don't think the boys will be putting out a market on the ambassadors, but um, I know they're working on a market, a proper market, and then of course I think one player that'll be towards the top of uh, the outright winner market will be Kazuma Kabori, who has been burning it up on the Australasian tour. I think he's won three tournaments on that Australasian tour, including last weekend's tournament in Sydney, the I think it was the WebEx Players Tournament. Uh, so he is on fire at the moment. He'll be there. Stephen Elk is coming back. Uh, Daniel Hillier. Um, that we might see a Kiwi at the top of the leaderboard um, in a few weeks' time okay. down there in Queenstown. I hope so. Yeah, looking forward to that, Paulie. Uh, hopefully we can get some boosted odds on Israel Dag to hit a member of the public in the gallery <laughs> at some point too. Uh, <laughs> check out all the odds, promos and boosted odds on the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely, R18. Paulie, thank you very much, sir. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. It is 17 away from nine. Time for Love Racing.
loveracing.nz, your home of thoroughbred racing. Welcome to the show for our Love Racing update. Uh, Pierre Anders Graberg, who is here riding uh, with Tony Pike's stable. Uh, good morning, Pierre. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing fine, thanks. That's a story, mate. Uh, over 2,000 wins in your career as a jockey. A lot of those obviously coming in Sweden, uh, and you've, you've you've ridden everywhere. But what what's the big difference from a jockey's point of view from racing in Sweden to racing here in New Zealand? Uh, well, probably the, they break pretty fast there, and then after a furlong or so, they ease up the tempo quite a lot, and then turn into a sprint the last two furlongs. Uh, back home, we normally go more even pace all the way through the race, so that's probably the biggest yeah, difference. I mean, but then again, racing is racing anywhere you go, so it's not that big of a deal, really. Tell us about the decision, Pierre, to come over and, and race in New Zealand. What convinced you to come and have a crack at it? Um, well, we always have a low point over over winter of course back home but we always had one track open in the winter as well we had one meeting a week and then they decided this year to don't have any racing at all from middle of december really to middle of april uh so that left a big big gap and before i've been gone down to dubai or place like that especially with for the carnival in Dubai with horses from Scandinavia, but this year they changed the rules down there, so so no no trainers from back home went down there either. So yeah, I just ended up with having a lot of spare time really, and had to try to find a way to fill that that time out. And I met Dean Williamson, and he was in Europe over the summer, and he came to Sweden to watch races. Uh, I sat down and talked to him, and he. He was the one that actually said, "Yeah, but if you want me to set you up in in New Zealand, I'll I'll give you a hand." And uh, yeah, that was the start of it. Uh, then it probably took a bit longer time than both me and Dean thought to get the the working permission through. So my plan was really to be here probably around Christmas and then stay for three three and a half months. But yeah, now the the paper came through very late, so I only got just got down there about a week ago. You got down here a week ago and you had an opportunity to race on the weekend. You ran third in Saturday aboard Vera Rose in the Sir Patrick Hogan Karapiro Classic. Uh, you'll be riding in Topol tomorrow on Lucy's Magic, mate. What are your expectations for tomorrow in Topol? Uh, I got up to her the other day and uh, she got okay, I think. Um, mm. it, it looks like a pretty open race, so I hope she's one of uh, four or five horses. They should have a decent chance, yeah. Mate, uh, we saw Warren Kennedy come over from South Africa, and he was only coming over for a little stint. Well, he's still here, and he's one of our premier jockeys now, winning plenty. You're over here for a stint till April. Are you gonna? Is this the start of something more for you, Pierre? Well, yeah, it could be. I mean, like I said, uh, my plan was to be here three, three and a half months. Now it's only two months, uh, but everything works out, and I'm enjoying myself down here. And of course, if if the owners and trainers like what I'm doing as well, my, my plan is probably to come back next winter then for me and next summer for you guys uh, for three, four months at least. And you never know how it's going to develop, of course. But I see this first two months now as a bit of a test uh, mm. to see yeah, to see how it goes, really. And if, if, I, if I like it and you like me, uh, 
I don't see any reason why not coming back next year for a bit of a longer time. Oh, we absolutely love it, mate, bringing experienced jockeys from different parts of the globe and, and racing here. It's been a success for Warren Kennedy, and it's, I'm sure it's going to be a success for you, Piers Ander Garaberg. We appreciate you coming on the show, mate. Thank you for, for joining us, and all the best tomorrow on Lucy's Magic and also for the future. We'll, we'll be watching with interest, mate. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers, uh, Pierre Anders Graberg there with us uh, for Love Racing. Loveracing.nz for all your thoroughbred racing news, previews, replays, profiles, and more. And uh, as I was just reading, he uh, usually rides at about 54 kilos in Sweden, but he ride, he's riding mm. at 53 here because it's a bit warmer. <laughs> it's just like it's just that, that extra, that extra, ki- extra kilo of fat just to insulate you from the Swedish winter. <laughs> Fat jockey doesn't even go in the same sentence. Come on, Ricardo. <laughs> it's seven away from nine here on SENZ Breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo. We'll catch up with Louis Herman. What next? couple of minutes away from nine o'clock. This is SEN Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Louis Herman, what? Getting ready to do the hard yards for a whole hour, mate. How, how, how are you handling it? Oh, it's a it's a tough life, Daggy. It's a tough life, Daggy. Oh, oh boys, it, it oh. is it is tough. No, I um look because it's just an hour. It's kind of like you, you really dig in. You know, it's like you've come off the bench. You know, you've only got somewhere between twelve and fifteen minutes. So you hammer a tong, isn't that right? Well, as he didn't come off the yeah. bench, so he doesn't actually know. <laughs> I did come off the bench a couple of times, so I know what you mean, but I was either starting or I wasn't in the conversation. So what have you got today, mate? What are you doing? Rocks or diamonds? Uh, well, we're going to Nico Hearn, because your man Kazuma Kabori, who is would have to be probably now, along with Steve Alker, our best chance at winning the New Zealand Open, getting the Kiwi up there. Yeah. Um, he's won three times this year as a professional. Now, there's a sick stat that says the only other Professional golfer, uh, this is a man, I think, to have won three pro starts in his first 10 pro starts, three of his <laughs> first 10, this. is Tiger Woods. Now, obviously, <laughs> the fields are a little bit different, but yeah. regardless, that's the sort of chat and ear that Kazuma Kabori's in. So I want to give this guy a massive fizz up because he's a, a Rangara High School alum, so mostly that. Mainly that. What else have you got yeah, coming up? Have you got any room for anything else? I will do some talk back. Oh, okay, good we'll stuff. open the lines, shall we? 0800 150 Talk to Louis Herman what before the cricket coverage starts at 10. Here's Araha with news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range.